Yeah, hey everyone, this is Jaime. This is Alex. And uh, we're here with our weekly Q&A. Thank you everyone who submitted a question. We're so glad for the opportunity to respond to them. Yeah, these have been fun. These have been really fun. Uh, and we've got uh, another fun one to, to leave us off this week that actually maybe has a little more gravitas, but also uh, uh, some, some levity to it as well. And this opening question is, as we talked about this past week, uh, the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit leads us to freedom. So uh, the reminder for those of you who are forgetting what happened on Sunday, because it's, you know, that happened so long ago. Or those of you listening who aren't part of our church and weren't here on Sunday. Yeah, we're glad that you're with us. We talked about the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit leads us to, uh, leads to freedom and walk in the way of the Spirit leads to freedom versus either following uh, the flesh, the desires of the flesh, or just following the law and more rules and rules, rules, rules and more rules. And so we talked about sort of this, Paul outlines his third way, which is the way of the spirit. Um, and so anytime you talk about the Holy Spirit, there's all kinds of questions that arise. And uh, this week's opening question is, how is the Holy Spirit like the force and how is it different? All right. So some background on this is that uh, we are very close as we're recording to May the 4th. May the 4th be with you. That's right. Yeah. Star Wars Day. And mm. so uh, I threw in a Star Wars reference in in my sermon. Ah, uh, this is your fault, is what you're telling me. Yes, this yeah. is my fault. <laughs> awesome. That's okay. I own it. I'm, I'm okay with being blamed for anything having to do with Star Wars. Star oh. Wars is a, is a great franchise. I love it. Yeah, I, I mean, there are a number of, uh, of ways in which the Holy Spirit is different than the Force. Uh, and the first disclaimer I'll make is that I am not an authority on Star Wars. So uh, any people who are Star Wars uh, enthusiasts... Nerds. Here's, I'll stop that. Sorry. <laughs> the disclaimer is I already know that I'm likely going to be wrong about some of the things I'm going to say about the Force. And I can appreciate that. I think the first thing that I'd say in which the Holy Spirit and the Force are different is that the Force is impersonal, whereas the Holy Spirit is a person. It is a part of the Trinity, part of the Godhead, and um, so the the Holy Spirit is God, is, is a person. Right. Uh, I think another way in which the Holy Spirit and the Force are different is that, uh, if I'm remembering correctly, the Force is sort of all around it's the thing that unites all, et cetera, et cetera, and it's, it's, it's sort of around everywhere. Whereas the Holy Spirit, as we were talking, at least as we were talking about him on Sunday, the Holy Spirit dwells in those who call upon Jesus. Uh, and part of that is that was Jesus' promise to his disciples, that uh, he was going to leave but they were not going to be left alone because he would send the Holy Spirit to dwell, to guide them in the truth, to comfort them, to counsel, to convict them of sin. Uh, and there's an empowering also that happens through the Holy Spirit. And, and lastly, which is what we talked about uh, on Sunday, the Holy Spirit uh, leads to freedom. The Holy Spirit keeps people free, uh, walking in freedom on the way with Jesus and grows in us the fruit, his fruit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Um, yeah, I mean, one of the ways in which I think the Force and the Holy Spirit, there's some resonance there. It's a very thin area, and this is what I talked about on Sunday. Uh, I mean, the the Force seemed to be able to sort of guide and direct and help focus. And so in that sort of sense of focusing, I think there there is uh, not a similarity between the Force and the Holy Spirit, but a similarity in one of the functions of the Force uh, versus one of the aspects of the character of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit also guides and directs and helps focus. Yeah, yeah, that's great. I mean, I think uh, in some ways this is uh, it's interesting because 
the, the Holy Spirit, I mean, throughout the church history has been something that has uh, felt like people had a hard time getting their minds around or feel sort of further away. And so there's, here we have this sort of cultural construct of the force, which is a little bit more uh, palpable or in popular culture. And you can say, oh, well, how is the same? How is it different? And there are some, like I said, some light points of resonance. Um, but uh, but the personal nature, like you said, Jaime, really is, I think, a key differentiator. And uh, the fact that this is obviously um, a, a person, a part of the Godhead who uh that Jesus has to make a way for the spirit to dwell in us like there's a, there's a there's a labor that God has to do in order to uh in order to create in us a clean heart for the holy spirit to dwell in us and that is in some ways that's even one way to look at Jesus' whole mission was to get the holy spirit in each one of us uh whereas before the spirit was in the temple and now so when Paul writes your bodies are now a temple of the holy spirit that's the that's not because you're so like good looking it's just because the that's what Jesus has come to do to kind of create a way for the spirit to dwell in us and uh in a way that obviously the force was more about um just sort of being awake to it now you know there's there's a there's a start again some resonance there of like uh sort of being awake uh for for the christian to sort of be in tune with the spirit requires some att- attentiveness and some spiritualness and engagement with it that uh that is not all and not completely different from what luke skywalker has to go undergo when he puts the mask on and he has to like fight or whatever he's kind of feeling something right they can't go that's bigger than his his uh his, his faculties can gather there's something mm-hmm. bigger than that but uh but otherwise uh the, the holy spirit is a uh, is a much bigger much more robust thing than uh than what they pulled off in star wars that's for sure yeah i think one of the other differences is that the force is something to be used and maybe mastered oh. and the spirit is not uh, the right. spirit is uh someone to be partnered with mm-hmm. the spirit has agency uh, it's not that you can't dominate or master the Holy Spirit. You partner with the Holy Spirit. Right. You align with God and with God's will, and you get to partner with the Holy Spirit. But, um, but you know, like you know, with with the Force, uh, people use the Force sort of on both sides of the uh, good and bad spectrum, right. and uh, they use it to they use the Force to attack each other, to throw things at each other, to lift things, uh, to push people. And uh, it, 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 in that sense, the the it becomes sort of like a tool, right? And uh, and the Holy Spirit is not a tool. That's right. It's not a tool. Uh, it's it's not. It doesn't. The Holy the Holy Spirit does not bend to our will. He doesn't bend to our will. Right. Yeah. Uh, we partner with Him to align with God's will. Uh huh. Right. Well, and, and and like you said, sort of the. The key thing of any part of the Godhead is we like we worship, right? We serve. It's mm-hmm. the, like there's this like there's a there's a total recognition of uh, creator creation and uh, and that 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 distinctive sense of um, awe and worship and surrender that is so is so key to any relationship with God that actually engages God as God actually is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, for the people, for the person who asked this question, also for anyone who's curious about the Holy Spirit, here at Chatham Community Church during the summer, we want we run a series of workshops, seminars, and courses called Summer Better, and there's actually going to be one that's going to focus on the Holy Spirit. So keep an eye out for that. If you're not part of Chatham Community Church, if you're not in Chatham County, or if you're listening to this far from the future, I'm sorry you're going to miss that, but uh, I'm sure there'll be places where you can find out more about the Holy Spirit as well. That's great. So the uh, the second question we got this week, we only got two, uh, was uh, about loving your neighbor. So Paul at one point in Galatians 5 says that the sum total of the law, the whole of the law can be summed up in love your neighbor as yourself, right? And uh, serving one another humbly in love. He, he, those are the two phrases he uses. 
as uh, the fulfillment of the law and, and essentially what real freedom looks like. Real freedom looks like loving your neighbor as yourself. So this person asked the question, is this even possible, right? How is this possible? Uh, love feels, it feels idealistic. It feels a little bit maybe, um, yeah, too, too far beyond what we can do or even what our neighbors deserve, perhaps. So, so uh, you know, I appreciate someone asking this question. I think this person actually referenced that they were at, at, at Woods um, because I actually I cut a section where I talked a little bit about this. So I'll, I'll take this first and then I make a crack at it. Uh, the, the whole idea of loving our neighbors as ourselves, is this even possible? Well, it, it's, it's at the core of what Jesus teaches, obviously. And there's a, there's a real call to step in uh, in faith, open love, and love our neighbor as ourselves. A, a couple of caveats to this. One, um, that doesn't mean that our neighbor's always going to agree with us or like what we're doing. What, what we say looks like love might, difference, might look very different from what our neighbor says looks like love. And so uh, I would say on the aggregate, on the, on the sum total, on the whole, by and large, for the, most of our neighbors will over time view us, if we're following Jesus, as loving them as Christ would have us to love them. Uh, but there's def- certainly going to be – there's certainly been specific instances in my own life where what I felt like following the Spirit and following Jesus, what that looked like, didn't make sense to my neighbors. It didn't make sense. didn't compute. It wasn't on the radar. Um, it was hard for them to accept. Even personal decisions I was making, they're like, why would you do that to you know yourself? Or why would you make that decision? Um, and so I do think loving our neighbors ourselves doesn't mean they'll always agree with us. Uh, I, I do think uh, also that loving our neighbors ourselves includes and really uh, includes, I think, the, the ability to draw clear and firm boundaries around our neighbor's actions sometimes. Like sometimes loving your neighbor as yourself means calling the cops on your neighbors. Like they, they're, they're in violation of something is not safe. They are, they're harming or threatening other neighbors around you that, that need to be cared for and loved. And so I don't think loving your neighbor as yourself, if, if we take a, if we take a, a hallmark definition of love, then we have no idea what to do with Jesus' commands. But if we take Jesus' definition of love, which, which has, uh, some very, a very strong no to it that serves as bigger yes, then, uh, then yes, then we can understand what it means to love our neighbors ourselves as Jesus did, including Jesus rebuking the Pharisees. Well, when he's rebuking the Pharisees, he's rebuking them in love. He wants something better for them than what they're settling for. Uh, when he, when he gives us really firm commands, uh, about, you know, holiness and be perfect as your father in heaven is perfect. That, that's, there's a way where Jesus is, is loving us by, uh, by speaking what is true, uh, speaking to us always in love. And inviting us to walk in that way. Um, I, I remember I've had some conversations with some small business owners, and I've talked to them about uh, as, as they've, they've had employees that they've needed to let go. They've worked with them, worked with them, and I said, "Look, there's a Jesus following way to fire an employee. Let's uh, like you need to fire. It sounds like you need to fire this person. So let's follow them. Away. How would Jesus fire this person? What would it look like to follow, to, to love this person, this employee?" enough to fire them, but really firm boundaries around their activity, uh, but also to do it in the way that Jesus would do it. There is a Jesus following way to fire someone. I think there's a similar approach to thinking about what is a Jesus following way to love a neighbor that we uh, that is caustic, that is rude, that is violent, that is difficult. Uh, I think there's a Jesus following way to address that. I think I do think that when we get in, sometimes we get in situations where we're up against someone or situation, a coworker, a neighbor, a family member, where we feel like this person is so mean, rude, whatever that I that I can't follow Jesus and and deal with this person in a healthy way. And I think that's absolutely not true. I think we can follow Jesus all the way to the very end, to the bitter end, including dealing with our enemies. Um, including the caustic people, the rude people, the violent people, the aggressive people, the manipulative people. I think there's Jesus, Jesus following ways to follow, to work out those relationships that, um, neither make us a doormat nor give us permission to simply uh, abandon Jesus and fight on the world's terms, right? That, that there's a Jesus following way, a spirit following way that leads to more freedom for us 
and for our neighbor if they're willing to hear it, that uh, gives us plenty of agency to make good, wise decisions, even and especially in places where there's our enemies or people who aren't safe. What do you think, Jaime? Yeah, I think the idea of loving our neighbors uh, is, is is supposed to feel uh, idealistic. Uh-huh. It's supposed to feel like it's it's hard for it to be possible. I think that's a reflection of the state of our world, and it's a reflection of of how uh, how much uh, our fallenness, our separateness from God and from each other, has infected us. Has infected mm-hmm. every area of life. Um, I think it's supposed to require us to cry out to God for some of his work, intervention, uh, even miraculous work in us. I think it takes an intervention from God, a work of the spirit for us to be able to, to, to love in the sort of hardest places and the hardest situations. And those are different for some people than for others. It's where people reach the limit of their capacity to love their neighbor, what situations trigger limits to that is different for everyone. And you need God in those moments. Uh, and I, I resonate with this idea that, um, that, that love, if we think of love as sort of the Hallmark definition, and uh, not to bash on Hallmark, just any sort of sure. um, uh, idealized or, or, or one-sided understanding of love, then, then yeah, it, it not only feels uh, aspirational and idealistic, it feels foolish. Uh-huh. And I think there are some ways in which loving our neighbor can feel foolish. But when we, when we think of it from the perspective of Jesus's life, if, if we make the assumption that Jesus was consistently always loving his neighbors, loving the people around him, then you've got a multifaceted understanding of love. I mean, there were times where Jesus seemed a little bit exasperated, uh, and there were times where he was, it felt like he was being a little bit short and direct with the people around him. Uh, there were times when, when he was, it felt like he was being gregarious, generous, and welcoming. Uh, there were times when he rebuked people. That's right. All those things were loving. All those things were him loving his neighbor as himself. There were things there were there were there were there were ways in which he was loving God and loving neighbors in that. So, uh, so I th- can I jump in. What do you think yeah. of the difference between sort of rebuking or correcting someone and a that's not loving versus? How, so how do you know when you're being loving your neighbors yourself? How do you know when love is informing a rebuke or a call to the cops or getting a lawyer versus just whatever other kind of instincts might be kicking in anger you know uh, self-righteousness those kinds of things so what's the what's the differentiator how do you know when if you're loving your neighbor as yourself when you take on some of these hard and fast things that don't look like the, the sentimental hallmark picture of love which is obvious right when when uh when we're doing that so some of it comes with with the the work you do before and the work you do after. I mean, sometimes you can only realize that upon reflection. Sometimes it it it, it is informed by your approach to that person leading up to that moment. Uh-huh. Um, so if if and, and in the right, some of these are split decisions. Rebuking someone sometimes is a split decision, uh, a split second decision. Right, sorry. Right. And so, so in the moment, it's it's sort of a snap decision. Um, if leading up to that. Your desire was to see good for that person. Uh-huh. If your desire was to bless that person, if your desire wasn't just to get them out of your life or to shut them down, but your 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 disposition towards them is positive, even if it needs to be guarded, right? Then then that that I think will give you a clue as to whether or not your action, uh, even if it is hard by by sort of social understanding, 
is loving. Um, so for example, and, and also I think it's, it's, um, is can you, can you tell in what way this action can be loving right. and is that genuine? Um, so for example, I, I have a friend who, um, is part of a business that, uh, that, that, that they're landlords to people. And, uh, and this friend struggles sometimes with, with the dynamic of having to evict people. Oh, yeah. Um, because he wonders, is that loving? Uh, and, and when, when I dig a little bit, when I, when I ask questions to this friend, what I realize is that eviction is always a last resort. People have always been giving tons of chances. In fact, sometimes it was even risky to, to, to rent to these people, uh, to the people that they're now having to evict. And they've gotten, they've gotten tons of opportunities. They've gotten close and warm contact from the landlord. Uh, and, uh, and so there's a way in which I can see and I can, and I can speak into this friend's life and say, your disposition towards them has clearly been positive. Um, and, and, and part of it is also as, as a business owner, um, it, it, it's not only thinking about um, is this loving for this person? You can also think about what's going to help me love my neighbor overall. So, mm-hmm. so if this friend were to never think that evicting is the loving thing to do, then eventually there will be no more housing for him to offer. And there will be people that he could have loved in this way that he won't be able to. Yeah, that's good. Uh, and that helps inform uh, in those sort of hard, tricky places. Mm-hmm. I know I've gone a little bit off course. No, it's but, good. No, no, yeah. no, it's good. I mean, I, I feel like, you know, there were some points when when my kids were littler where I, where I felt like uh, I felt – I felt like I didn't want to discipline merely out of frustration, I mean, especially the bigger things, right? Sometimes in the moment, like it's a split-second response. But I felt like if I could, if I could communicate what the what I, I could always communicate what I wanted them to stop doing, right? But if I couldn't communicate uh, like the thing that I wanted them to do on the like that, that I wanted to grow in or what kind of person, like in other words. Here's the no. Do I know what the yes is that this no is serving? Mm-hmm. Right? Do I know? Like, is, do I have a clear sense in my own heart how I am for my kid in saying no to this behavior? Uh, I think that I think that you talk about sort of that posture, that that sort of what's leading up, what's my, what's my disposition towards this person yeah. in the lead up, sort of a thing. Do I basically do I have a sense of what the yes is for this person? Right? And so um, even you know in, 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 a, in a number of different situations where we have. Uh, wanted to help people either personally or as a church where I feel like, okay, there comes a point where we have to kind of say, no, we can't help anymore because I think there's something more here that we need to learn or deal with a, a bigger issue that needs to be addressed. Or, or it's not so much that we can't help. We can't help in that right, way. In that way specifically. That's right. We, we need to be helpful in a different way. That's right. Yes. Yeah. 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 Some, uh, maybe, uh, maybe upstream kind of down uh, upstream kind of situations or problems that need to be dealt with or addressed. And so I think, I think recognizing that the, to going back to your point, the call to love your neighbor is a is a stretch. It's supposed to call us to depend on the Spirit, right, in a different kind of a way. It, it, that's that is one of the that's, that's part of what Jesus' commands are always trying to do is to sort of draw us back into relationship with Himself. I mean, I, I do think there's this like a picture that I have of God where like He kind of winds me up with uh, with some grace and love and some directions, and then kind of just go. And I think that actually. More often than not, he gives me opportunities to depend on him to show up or, or where, I, where I need to draw on the spirit for the courage and the wisdom to kind of navigate a situation. Um, I do think that love your neighbor as yourself is this is this uh, like plumb line. Like here's the baseline. Here, here's, here's, here is the core of my disposition 
in the spirit, when I messed up with the spirit, when I'm following Jesus in these ways, uh, loving my neighbor is the core of my disposition. And the ways it's going to get expressed might not always be interpreted by people who are receiving it mm-hmm. as, as that kind of love because of the ways, uh, because of expectations, because of um, maybe uh, it could be my own fault, how I'm communicating it, uh, but it could also just be um, a faulty picture of what love looks like, which I think is, we have to keep looking at Jesus to have our have our understanding of love rounded out because it gets so flattened yeah. uh, by the cultural messages and cultural messages are what they are. It's all it's all that people know apart from Christ, right? Yeah. Apart from Christ, what do you know about love other than uh, your own impulses, preferences, desires, and what the media tells you, right? Yeah. Well, there's also the implicit bias one has. Uh, you know, even as one is being formed by Jesus and one's understanding of love is being formed mm-hmm. by Jesus, one has a bias. Right. So, I, so I, I think in order to continue to clarify what is loving, whether an action is loving, even if it's a hard thing, uh, you know, the resources are Jesus, so God, praying, the Holy Spirit, uh, community. Yeah, and and right. for some actions, even the uh, not mis- not maybe for some of the charged ones, but there are some some actions or some decisions where. Uh, even the person who might receive it could tell you, is this a loving thing? Uh, not always. Like, like I said, some of the charge, obviously the person uh, in, in my friend's business example, a person who's getting evicted is not going to think it's a loving thing. Right, right. Um, but a community might be able to tell you, hey, no, actually – they're, they're you're you're clearly operating in love. Yeah, that's great. I do think the, the the value of community is undersold in our American Christianity, particularly in that area where we're kind of bumping up against something, and maybe we feel the tension of, hey, I got, I, I feel like I can't talk to my emotionally abusive mother anymore. Like I, but I feel terrible about it or I'm struggling with it. And I think having people around you that can tell you and help you to know like how much of this is just you acting out of your own woundedness and your own hurt and frustration and how much of this actually is love and to kind of process that together and to be on, to be on the way in community with people. Um, I think that's, I think it's a really valuable, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I do think that that helps us to discern because we're so easily deceived, right? We're so easily, it's so easy for me to justify whatever I want to do <laughs> in any number of ways. Um, I, or on the flip side to be, to feel overly guilty in ways I shouldn't feel overly guilty, right? I think having community to help us to, to, to sift through some things and go, okay, is this loving? Am I being loving? In what way could this be loving? Or do I need to grow or shift in some ways to, to get to the point where I am actually loving with a boundary, right? Which I think is hard for a lot of us to be able to communicate well and clearly. Yeah, yeah. I think the last thing I'd say about loving our neighbor is that um, even though – so it's, it's, a, it's a command, something we've been commanded to do. Um, not to set it up as if perfection is the only thing that counts. Right. Right, and and I and I say that while realizing that perfection is what we want to aspire to, but but there's already an awareness baked into this. I think when God gives this command that we are going to fail, we're going to get it wrong. <laughs> right, uh-huh. we're going to get it wrong. And uh-huh. so there are two ways to approach it. Some people think, well, if it's uh, if it's quote unquote unobtainable, then right. why even try? Right, why even work at it? Um, or uh, if I'm if I if I'm definitely uh, going to fail, like uh, why put any effort into it? Uh, sorry, I'll say the same thing there. Um, so, so we can't take it as, as sort of a strict perfection is the only thing that matters because it might cause the type of anxiety that paralyzes us. Uh, and we can't take the sort of nonchalant approach that says, uh, it's completely random and arbitrary. I'm going to fail. Therefore, I'm not going to try at it. Actually, I think the invitation is to be intentional about it, Mm -hmm. not overly anxious about it, but knowing there's a God that invites us to engage with it, knowing that we're going to fail and yet knowing that he can still build into us the things that lead us towards right. perfection, which we might not see this side of heaven, that's right, that's but right. it's still there. 
Like one day it will be, it will be true that all of us will love our neighbors as ourselves. Like one day that will be true, right? The sort of new heaven, new earth kind of, and this, this, the sense that we're on a journey with Jesus where our character is being transformed as we walk in the way of the spirit, which is laid out in the scriptures. For yeah. Us. We're not going to stop loving our neighbors on the other side of heaven. We're going to keep loving our neighbors. Right. 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 And so even better. Well, thanks for joining us for this week's uh, question and answer. We look forward to hearing from you uh, next week and uh, touch base again as we go on our way with Jesus together. All right. See you guys.